0: Welcome back to Simply Soccer. I am your host, Michelle Hutink, with my co-host, Christian Conway.
1: The dirty work of breaking down the season continues.
0: Yes, and this time with the midfield. Thank you so much all for joining us. Um, I guess we'll save the best for last.
1: Um, There's a lot (laughs) in the soccer world we can talk about.
0: um, uh, You know, overall, I mean, looking at this, the the midfield does look good, right? I think the biggest concern is um, Jonathan Dos Santos, uh, you know, we love him and really kind of wish he could have come back with, you know, the same spark, the same creativity, the same, I mean, there there were flashes and, and moments of brilliance, of course. Um, and I don't know, I just, it's, it's a strange thing, right? Because like, do you want me to go over everybody kind of... Like previewing, or do you want to, or do you want to say something right now? Well, let's let's
1: get into kind of the structural thing about this midfield, which is the fact that there were a lot of moving parts. Right, that you know, the midfield, for being probably the most positive part about the Galaxy, um, had a lot of stops and starts. I mean, we we talk about you know, even when we, when we were talking in the pre-call, I was like, oh yeah, Adam Soldania, you know, was a factor, but he didn't play that much. And then I, I look, he, he played 18 games. You know, he had 18 appearances. Like. There was a lot of movement in this midfield, and 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 yet still, it kind of all worked together, which I think speaks to a a very structurally sound start from for Greg Vanney's tenure. Um, I, I do think the the problem in this midfield is relying on you know Victor Vasquez and Sasha Klishin, right, who are you know through no fault of their own, just Father Time, a little bit on the way out, right? Like, I mean, they, they are kind of on the older end of things, and and they can't play consistently 36 games a year so um I do think you know there's a lot of huge positives to pull out of here but there are some some you know it's funny because you know I think this last week we kind of struck a little bit of a negative tone with the defense which I think was required I think this week we're gonna strike
0: yeah and the Galaxy have been having problems with the defense so even the the things that we had to say it was kind of like well this is expected in a rebuild and i mean i don't know like even considering just the past you know just comparing just even the the season before i mean the galaxy are headed toward like i think you're you're getting ready to say is you know, there's there's a lot more things to look forward to
1: yeah and and i think you know we're going to strike a lot more positive tone in this podcast because i think the midfield was maybe the highlight of the galaxy this season for me like i think when it, when it worked, um, which it worked often. Um, mm-hmm. it, they were incredibly electric to watch on the ball, the the, the interplay, the, the the movement. And then we talk about, you know, Efron Alvarez taking a step forward. We talk about, you know, Sasha Kleshin running that midfield whenever he appeared um, and him being kind of a useful um, break-in case of emergency valve uh, off the bench. You talk about Victor Vasquez kind of recapturing the form that he had in Toronto. We talk about, you know, Ryan Revolution coming in and just being incredibly stout defensively, uh, Sebastian Legette, I think had one of his best seasons in a galaxy, um, galaxy Jersey this year. Like I think, you know, there's so there's a lot here that I'm like, yes, like this, this makes a ton of sense, but there's a lot of questions considering the future of a couple of these players.
0: Yeah. um, You know, Legette is now a veteran LA galaxy player and, Actually, he just turned twenty nine. So even I was thinking, like, man, our midfield is pushing thirty, <laughs> and and obviously Cleschon's on the other side of it, you know, and uh, Vasquez surprisingly is thirty three. So, yeah, um, I I like them, but I don't I don't really know how much how much longer they can really keep going with the Galaxy because there's all this speculation that Jonathan dos Santos is going to retire. Like that was the last season that we're going to see with him.
1: Yeah, and, and I think you know, even if, even if he does not retire, the sense that I get with a lot of the conversations from people that are smarter than I am, all think that Jonathan Dos Santos will not be here next year, um, simply because he's not going to take a contract that pulls him off a DP spot. He's not going to, um, you know, take the pay cut that's required for the Galaxy to move him into a position where they could utilize that designated player spot. The sense that I get is also the Galaxy would like to use that DP spot for a different style of player, maybe go out and get another you know, top striker to to pair with Chicharito or, or, you know, go out and and bolster the back line with a DP signing. You know, the the, the sense is that the relationship has run its course between the Galaxy and and Jonathan Dos Santos. And, you know, whatever his next move is, either, you know, going back to playing in Mexico or, um, you know, retiring, which, you know, I I think wouldn't surprise me. A lot of the body language I saw was a player that is kind of, I I don't know if aware that his time is up, but is definitely, uh, definitely, let's just put it this way. When he came to salute the fans, you know, for the last time, it didn't look like a, you know, I'm disappointed about the result this season, but we'll see you next year. It was a, this is a goodbye kind of, you know, Mm. that's what the language seemed to me to be. Um, Now, obviously I'm not paid to interpret body language and and maybe, you know, he took it harder than other people. Uh, He, he did have a, a, he's had a rough couple of years with injury and, and kind of finding his form. Um, But so, so that is an open question. I think with Jonathan, and, and, I, and I've said this long, a, a long time, I think the Galaxy are at their best when Jonathan's at his best because I think the way that he mm-hmm. controls the game and the way that he, you know, as kind of an old-school Regista, I think that really helps the Galaxy set tempo. And I don't, you know, I think if there's one thing I had to point to this year that where the midfield started breaking down a lot was they never had anyone when Jonathan wasn't on the field to set the tempo. And the problem is when Jonathan was on the field, he... He had one of those years where he lost a step, right? And, you know, the only undefeated team in sports in general is Father Time. And it did look like Father Time is starting to kind of win that match a little bit with Jonathan. I thought, you know, he, he didn't look as sharp as normal. Um, now, now, that could be because he's just been dealing with a lot of injuries over the past year and a half. And, and it kind of, it got to him. But I do think the Galaxy... Are looking to move on from him and bring in someone that can be that regista that's a little bit sharper, a little bit younger. Um, but you know, Jonathan struggled this year. I think that in terms of the midfield, the midfielders that we're going to talk about today, you know, in terms of if I, you're a teacher, you you have you have gone through this, you you grade individuals. Um, if I was a teacher teaching the LA Galaxy, quote unquote, um, in terms of midfield, I'd give Jonathan my lowest grade. But it wouldn't be that low because I think he he had his moments. It's just it's hard to grade him considering what he's gone through and also the fact that it did feel, excuse me, through his social media presence and also the way that, you know, he kind of carried himself that he's been contemplating some form of move, maybe retirement, maybe moving on from the galaxy for the entire season. And I think that that, that mental side of things, I think, really got to him at some point.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, as much as like we like we were saying, we love Jonathan Dos Santos. I, I think it is time for him to to move on, especially um I mean, we'll have to see what direction the Galaxy are going in for 2022. Who we already know when the preseason, uh, not even preseason, we know when our first home match is already. So so everything is is happening really quickly. Um I mean, this this break feels really short honestly, and, and looking at the midfield, it's like, okay, um, Efrain Alvarez is sharp, he's young, um, he only has two goals and three assists, but you know, that's another thing I was looking at with these stats with the midfield, you know, with the goals, and especially how uh, Revolution was on fire when he first was here, and then kind of he didn't disappear, because you for sure knew that he was there, that he was hungry for goals, but he he played more of a a background character in the mid, um, you know, and later on um, well, well, in I know, the season.
1: I also think with with i we'll, we'll, we'll start with Revolution and then I'll, I'll, I'll touch on Efren Alvarez because I, I do have some apologizing to do when it relates to that player. <laughs> um, I think with Revolution, he only scored three goals in like three years in France and then he scores five this season. I think that is – a fair confirmation that he was overperforming numbers in terms of goal scoring when he got here. Like, it yeah, was always and, going to regress. Yeah, um,
0: and, and he got Week 16's goal of the week, and it really was. Oh, it was a screamer.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I, I I also think revolution is is tasked in a role that doesn't mean he's a goal scorer. He's a defensive midfielder, and I, I, I was talking to a friend about this last night, and I'll, I'll maintain it here. You know, we, we were talking about, God, some defensive midfielder, I, I uh, Javi Martinez. And everyone, you know, kind of, he said, like, oh, why didn't we ever talk about him more often? And I said, you know, if you're not talking about a defensive midfielder, then they're doing their job. You know, they can, the whole entire point of defensive midfielders is they're kind of the silent assassins of the midfield. You know, their their job is to to be the the, the bouncer at the club, so to speak, but you don't really talk about them. You know, like, all, very rarely do, you know, well-behaved defensive midfielders get talked about, um, you know, to, to kind of co-opt a famous quote. Um but I do think you know Revolution really steeled this midfield, and and, and you could tell the minute that he came in that it, it really freed up Sasha and Sebastian and be- and Victor and, and and to an extent, Efrain, to really kind of do what they do very well. You know, be creative forces. You know, move the ball forward. You know, break lines. Um. You know, and and you know play with their you know play with their heads up and and moving forward. You know, I think you know when they didn't have Revolution and it was you know Saldana in that slot. You know. Saldanía was 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 good. He, he was young. That was the thing, you know. Like I mean, uh, he, he, you know, like he, I remember the game against LAFC. The first game against LAFC, you know, Saldanía was anchoring that midfield, and the midfield looked a little reductive, a little bit kind of passive, a little bit more, you know, like all right, you know, just focus on passing the ball, keeping possession, because Saldanía just had never been in that position before, right? And so you you don't want to throw him in, and then all of a sudden have Victor Vasquez or Sebastian Lechera or you know whoever going forward running downhill and then all of a sudden it's Saldana 1v3 and he's got to make a play right like he's just never been in that position before at the highest level with Revolution he's been there and he's probably been in in positions that are a little bit tougher than anything he would have faced in MLS so the Galaxy did feel a little bit freer to move the ball quicker to be more efficient And I think it really unlocked this midfield now when we talk about Efrain Alvarez um you know obviously two goals uh three assists um you know you know he, I think that is, this is a scenario where those numbers don't tell the story about a Efren Alvarez, right? Like when we, when we look at globally at a season, you know, we obviously look at goals and assist numbers and we look at appearance numbers and stuff like that. But sometimes those numbers don't tell the entirety of the story, right? Like, I mean, mm-hmm. it is still a game that is played and it's a game that's, you know, can be only, de- you know, is usually only decided by like a goal, you know, it's, you know, very rarely do we talk about games that are like 3-1 or, you know, like 3-2. We we talk a lot about like games that are 2-1 or 1-0, you know, like, so, you know, the, the margins are so fine in soccer that I think, you know, this is one of those cases where we have to talk about the global picture of the 90 minutes that is played. Efron Alvarez took a huge step forward for me this year, and I think that cannot be understated. I think we've, we, we've so long been sold on the promise of Efron Alvarez, right? Like, We've been told that this is the crown jewel of the academy. It's going to work. He's he's off to you know somewhere in the Bundesliga and he's going to tear it up at like I don't know Wolfsburg or something like that. You know what I mean? Like we were told that, and I think you and I have come on this podcast multiple times and said I don't really see it. You know, like I I it, and and I, I long maintained like you know I'm not great at youth development potential identification. I'm I'm really not. Um, even though people tell me I am, I'm, I'm not. <laughs> I'm a raging idiot. Like. I don't know why you guys trust me. Um, but, but Well,
0: don't say that. We're on the podcast. They do trust us. Okay, yeah,
1: no, trust us and listen to us every week, please. Uh, but this year, I kind of started to see it. Like uh, The goal against RSL at home, that, that absolute screamer, I mean, like that is, you know, it, that's a kid that's confident, but he has a coach that's willing to invest in him. And I think, you know, when we get to kind of talking globally about the Galaxy for our season ender, the one thing that I'm going to stress is that if you look at, and especially in the midfield, if you look at, you know, uh, Saldana Perez, um, Aguirre, uh, uh, and Efren Alvarez, like young kids, it's clear that Vanny trusts them. And I think in previous years, they never really had a coach that would trust them. And I, and I, I reference back to Julian Araujo's treatment under Guillermo Chalota, where like, Araujo would make a mistake and he'd be benched for 15 games as punishment. And it's like, well, how does a youth player learn from that, right? It's like you made a mistake. Congratulations, you're in the doghouse. It it doesn't build a positive learning environment for a young player. I think Greg Vanny this year, kind of when he saw his young players make mistakes, it was okay. Hey, we're going back and doing it next week. It's going to be okay. And I think Efron Alvarez, especially out of all the youth players in the Galaxy this year, really benefited from that because he's. You could tell he was playing with confidence, and I think. I've started to kind of figure out Efren Alvarez in the sense that I think he's a player that relies on him feeling it, right? Like he needs to be confident and he's never really had that environment before at, at, in his professional time with the galaxy. You know, he had Bruce Arena, Bruce, Bruce never trusted the kids. Like, I mean, you could have told Bruce Arena an LA Galaxy Academy existed and he'd be like, what, you know, like, huh, we don't just buy them in, you know, kind of thing. Uh, which, you know, obviously that model was successful and, and, Bruce is, is an untouchable figure, obviously. Um, but I think, you know, Efren Alvarez especially, but also, you know, Johnny Perez, you know, Saldana, et cetera, now have the coach that is willing to give them the minutes, willing to give them the time, and willing to put them in opportunities. You know, like, I, I, Saldana being asked to start NL Trafico, right? Like, that's a huge ask for a young player. You know, like, what, you know, like, yeah, it's MLS, and yeah, it's not, it's not like the Superclass go whatever, but it is MLS's biggest rivalry. And just being, you know, in your first full professional season at the MLS level, being thrown into that game and being told, you're the guy that has to defend this midfield. That's, that's a lot to put on a player's plate, right? But it also speaks to, you know, if, if I was a young player and I wanted to show my chances, like, having that opportunity, to me, telegraphs, hey, this coach believes in me. And I think that's a huge thing right now.
0: Yeah. And as you're talking about the, the galaxy Academy, I, I mean, that's the whole thing that, that was one of, and I know to close a, I'm not really hundred percent sure what's going on with that, but, um, he's, off,
1: he's, he's off to Feyenoord.
0: Okay. He is. Okay. Um, well, anyways, the whole point is the why I got excited when he came here was because he was going to develop the youth, you know, and it, as great as it is to, to buy guys in and you see, like when you said with Bruce arena, that that model worked, um, you just, you want to see a player like Efrain Alvarez be successful with the Galaxy. You know, I mean, it's always the prospect that they're going to go off to Europe and like you said, crush it. Right. Um, But, but again, the way that, that he impressed, like you said, even if the stats don't really show all the hard work that they put in, we, we watch them game in and game out. And, you know, when the Galaxy are struggling, you know, these are the guys that you, you call to come in. You're like, Okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. Saban, legit. You know, I'm ready. Uh, where's where's Alvarez? Where's Cleshton? You know, where's Vasquez? Like, that's what you're just. You want these guys. You want them to come in. You trust them to to create, and then you trust them to to move the ball forward and maintain possession and 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 take shots. I mean, that's like the biggest thing because it's not their job in the midfield. But I. When you look at how many how many goals there are, I mean, Saldana and, and Harvey were the only ones who didn't score goals from the goals from the mid um, this season, and so and it's because they didn't really play either. I mean, Saldana, I'm not really sure. I think he needs he needs more of a chance. I think um, I'd like to see what he's gonna do in 2022. Um, and Legit, you know, everybody says well, Legette doesn't have the the same spark that he does with the Galaxy as he does with the US Men's team. But again, like you're saying, that's a different coach, that's a different setup with, you know, the players and everything. So, you know, he got uh, week 32 goal of the week for his martial arts style. Um, three goals, four assists. I mean, I I like Legit. I love him. I would I would really enjoy to see him for for another season or two, you I, know? I, I, if he so, has it in him.
1: So, <laughs> I think I uh, to to kind of quickly hit on, on, on Saldana and and Harvey. I was a little bit surprised that they didn't use Harvey more. I thought, you know, the, the limited amount we saw of Carlos Harvey at the end of, um, 2020, I, I was, I was rather impressed actually. Um, now, uh, you know, maybe it's, you know, obviously as, as we, we, we often maintain, we don't see exactly what goes on in training. We also Mm -hmm. don't see what Vanny sees in his brain. Um, I'd love to live in his head, but you know, obviously we don't have that technology. Um, but I'd like to see a little bit more of Harvey next year. Um, I, I think he's he's a very canny, reliable operator in that defensive midfield side. I think that you know we've seen it with Panama. We saw it when he was at Taro. You know, we, he's you know he's not an MLS starter in my opinion, but he's definitely someone that you know he's a he, he's a spot starter. Like if you have an injury kind of crisis, he he can fill in and, and do a serviceable job. But I, I you know I, I'd like to see him more um, with Saldana. I think this season was an open audition to replace Jonathan dos Santos for Saldana. Mm -hmm. I think he, I think he did well. And I think we're going to see a lot more of him in 2022, especially as we talked about at the opening of this podcast about Jonathan dos Santos's future and how it's, it's starting to look like it's not going to be with the galaxy. Um, I think he will then step into the midfield in a very significant role. Um, but you know, 18 appearances for a young player. That's, that indicates to me that you, that is a project that you were willing to invest in pretty significantly. Um, With Sebastian LeJet, look, he's a good midfielder. And I feel crazy whenever I say this to Galaxy fans and they look at me like I have three heads. Like, he's a very good midfielder. Sebastian LeJet provides something that the Galaxy didn't really have until, you know, he started to really feel confident about doing this, which is that I think for a long time, especially through 2017-18, the Galaxy really struggled with line-breaking passing and line-breaking movement, especially. You know, guys were way too... uh, way too conservative in the way they moved the ball through midfield. And basically it was kind of trying to basically, you know, brute force your way through the door rather than necessarily finding the key to unlock said door. Right. Like it's, you know, I think what makes legit so good is he's willing to pick up his head and take a guy on the dribble and does it always work? No, but you know, mm-hmm. you're not going to win that every time. And he's, but he's willing to do that. And I think, you know, him and Victor Vasquez, especially this year, were more than happy to pick up their head and just dribble a guy or at least just, you know, Run downhill, you know, towards the opposition goal, and I think, you know, that's an underrated skill. And I think in Greg Berhalter's system, where it's all about midfield interplay and it's all about moving the ball forward, it, it's all about verticality, right? Like that—that's a word that we use a lot around the U.S. Men's National Team. That's perfect for Sebastian Lynchette because he's all about being vertical. I don't think he's had a coach with the Galaxy that has really emphasized verticality. I think you know, Guillermo was all about you know short interplay of passing you know kind of one touch movement in order to unlock a defense you know all about pulling teams wide and then kind of hitting the spaces in between um, you know with Bruce obviously we we know Bruce was incredibly pragmatic you know we're going to win 1-0 and and that's and you're going to like it kind of coach you know <laughs> we've seen it in New England i mean his New England teams you know for for being you know his teams are ruthlessly efficient but not flashy if that makes sense um i think with Vanny Vanny loves to give multiple tactical looks in a game, right? He, you know, we we talked a lot about in 2019 with that Toronto team that made the uh, MLS Cup final. We talked a lot about how they were able to, with one or two substitutions, completely change tactical formation and tactical ideology. I think that makes for a very interesting world for Sebastian Legette because, you know, he's he's able to quickly get vertical if you need him to. And I think that makes him an incredible asset in Vanny's system. Now I think he's one of those players that this year and we saw and we'll talk about it next week with with the forward line I think he's one of those players that struggled a little bit to kind of adapt to the ideology um, that's understandable. It happens with when you're bringing in a, a completely new coaching staff and you know a completely new tactical plan. but you know I think there's a lot there that I'm like almost Sebastian the is Vanny's dream player right like he's a guy that can either get vertical, he's good at holding the ball you know there's there's been times even in the most recent US window where I was like, yes, Sebastian Legette makes a ton of sense here. And like, there was a lot of games where I was like, yeah, actually Sebastian makes a ton of sense here. You know, like, so I, I think, you know, once he gets up to speed in the system and once, you know, th- that all clicks, I think he's going to be a very big asset for Greg vanny moving forward.
0: You heard it here first. Um, yeah, I, I've long maintained, I understand the frustration um, with Legette. I mean, I see the poor back passing and like, some of the giveaways as well you know um but uh, you know all of the all of the the efforts that he's put in and and the assists and the goals I think that those are enough to to vouch for him to keep him to keep him on um you know he's only 29 I know when I said like he just turned 29 it's just when you start looking at the you know we like Efrain Alvarez is so young and and you're thinking okay JDS is leaving and. Um, Kleshin, we love him, but you know, he is on the slower side. Um, however, he does have five goals, and even though he only has one assist, he's the one that you call for to save us, right? When the game is is going, uh, you know, awry, and and he's and he takes the penalty kicks, he takes leadership. Um, you know, he's the one that that I felt like really owned it, owned any problems that the galaxy were facing, and really, you know took took that accountability, especially to the fans um to heart, and I think that i can't I can't praise question enough uh, for for stepping up and and doing that
1: look, I mean chicharito and Jonah wore the armband like physically mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they weren't the captain of this team. like Sasha Col was the captain of the LA galaxy this season, and you cannot convince me otherwise. I mean the, the, the post game speech he gave I can't remember what the game it was um, it was later in the season where he was basically in tears after they broke that winless streak mm-hmm. you know the, the, that's leadership that's that's a guy that gets it and I think you know you, you need a, a couple of guys like that in the locker room that just get it and sasha you know sure you know maybe next year he doesn't play 31 games he plays you know maybe 20 because because of, of his age and and you know whoever the galaxy bring in but it's it's the week in week out presence that with that kind of mentality, that is where the success lies, right? Like, I think you know, true. You know, obviously he scores that critical penalty in Miami. That that kind of that, or not the penalty. Uh, that he, score, he scores at the end of Miami that that gets the season going. You know, like scores a couple of critical penalties. You know, he's but it's it, Sasha. Like, I don't know how to explain it, but it just looks like he. You know, he looks like he was twenty one at times out there. Like, I mean, he just looks like he was having fun and just yeah. He wasn't afraid to try stuff like he, he wasn't afraid to, you know, to, to, to commit fully. And I think it was, it was so impressive to watch him this year. And, and, you know, I know that the galaxy tried to get him in, I think like 2015 and, and it didn't work out. And, you know, I, I, I tweeted out earlier in the season rather flippantly, but I, I, I kind of stand by it. Um, there, there is a multiverse where the galaxy signed Sasha collection in 2015 and won four more MLS cups, you know, like he's just that good. Um, I, I think, you know, if, if you can, if you can coax another year out of those legs, yeah, I'd, I'd run it back another year. Um, that's, mm-hmm. you know, the, the Galaxy have a notorious tendency to to try to coax one more year out of legs and it doesn't work out. You know, so obviously they've, they've, they've been burned by this before. But I, I do sure. think with Sasha, you know, just having him off the bench, you know, 18 appearances off the substitutes bench, that's just invaluable to have in the locker room. And, and Bruce Arena, to, to kind of run it back to him, was, was so good about this. Was, you know, he'd bring in guys that were locker room guys that, you know, you knew weren't going to really play a ton of games, but they just got it. You know, they understood what it meant to be professional, what it meant to be, you know, week in week out at the highest level. You know, being the most professional possible, and and that's Sasha and this team. Um, it also helps that he's still really good. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, so but I think you know if you if you can coax another year out of his legs, if he's willing to give you another year, I think you go for it. Um, I was listening to an interview a bit ago with Sasha, and he said you know he wants to play until he's forty. Um, I could see him doing that. He's in excellent shape. And I think, you know, he's still, you know, the mental side is still there, but also the physical side, you know, even though we we kind of joked that whenever he was on a full sprint, it was like watching a FIFA player, the energy bar go all the way down. It was like watching <laughs> that in real time. Um, but I still think, you know, just 18 appearances on the subs bench, you know, give him 30 minutes a game or 20 minutes a game. It makes a ton of sense to run it back. But, you know, I, I'll, I'll we'll get to this question, but I, I do think he might have been... He was a very good midfielder. He was not the best midfielder in the galaxy for me. That goes to Victor Vasquez. I mean, yeah,
0: hundred percent.
1: Some Agreed. of the passing lines that Victor Vasquez saw were just like
0: I didn't know he was thirty three.
1: Yeah, <laughs> he, he, it's his vision is ridiculous. I mean, it, there's a reason that Vanny worked with him so well in, in, in Toronto, and that's why I think Vanny really wanted to bring him back when it was. I think it was in the Middle East. I want to say he was, um, but when it was when it was clear that he he wanted to to come to the Galaxy, Vanny was you know. Probably salivating over that move, um, you know, st- sitting by the telephone waiting for the call. Um, Victor Vasquez—the vision of Victor Vasquez—completely changed the galaxy this year. We have never we haven't had a midfielder since I don't know since maybe Janino, um, prime Janinho, where, where he just sees things before everyone else does, you know. And I think that's so invaluable to have. Now, I do understand you do have to do some protection of him. He's not going to track back. He's not. He, he's not interested in playing defense. I get it. Um, You know, but, but just the, the vision and the ability to pull off some of these ridiculous passes that put the galaxy in such good opportune moments. I think it's, he was incredible this year. And I think that is, he's going to be a big cornerstone of this galaxy midfield next year.
0: Yeah. um, It's just really a pleasant surprise. I think (laughs) Um, for, for me anyway, um, but you know what I'm hearing from everything that we've talked about is is this depth, right? Because this is a new season now. You know that they're going to bring on uh, new guys, and if we can keep uh, question, if we can keep um, well, you know, Vasquez is going to be there, legit. Um, that these are, and obviously Avarez. I mean that that goes without saying, but I'm saying it anyway. Um, I think it builds. I think it builds that depth, and I think. Why not? Why not see, you know, who who else they can gel with? I mean, I don't really know what's coming in 2022, but I think that there's a lot of promise revolution. I hope that he can maintain that that fire and that and that spark. I absolutely adore him as a player. I really um, I think it's phenomenal. You know, he's Malagasy and it's it's super, super cool to see, you know, how he does internationally. And then he what he brings to the galaxy
1: Yeah, I think, um, you know, obviously he's, he's going to be, I think, you know, if we, if we had to pick two that are going to be the touchstones of this galaxy midfield next year, it's going to be revolution and it's going to be, um, Victor Vasquez. I think what's going to be interesting. And I think what kind of controls a lot of this conversation is what happens with Jonathan Dos Santos. If he, if he moves on or if he stays, I think if he moves on, then you have a designated player spot. You can really play with that and, Mm -hmm. and, and go out and go big in the midfield, um, and I think, I think the, the, the overarching sense that I get is they're just waiting to figure out what he's going... He hasn't decided yet. He'll, he'll decide that in the coming months. Um, we haven't hit any important deadlines yet. Obviously, we're in the middle of MLS Cup playoffs. They haven't really uh, begun to announce roster options, etc. Um, and then I think they're also looking to see where the leadership goes if Dennis Toclosa is actually going to fly as has been reported if they give Greg Vanny the job or if they, you know, go out and get someone, um, mm-hmm. I, would like, if, 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 if T'close moves on, then, you know, I throw a bunch of money at Columbus and see if he can convince Bezbachenko to come because, uh, you know, Toronto's best years were when Vanny and Bezbo were working together. Um, but he's, he seems to be settling Columbus. Ali Curtis is out of a job and, Tor- uh, the Toronto experiment didn't really work for him. Um, that would be a bit of a risky hiring, but you know, I, I get why they do it. Um, but you know, so I think those these these conversations kind of shape where the rest of this midfield goes. And but yeah, you know, outside of that, I mean, like, there's a lot to be positive about this Galaxy midfield. I mean, it, you know, obviously Sasha is is battling against Father Time, you know, and and, and so is Vasquez. But Vasquez, you know, still at 34, is going to give you a, a full season, you know, as long as he stays healthy. Knock on wood. Um, but you've got you know, Efrain, you've got Aguirre, you know, you've got uh, Paris, you've got Harvey, you've got you know, Saldana, you've got revolution you've got young players that are really hungry to take the mantle and i think that makes me really positive about where this midfield can go moving forward um but yeah i do think it's going to be interesting to see if jonathan moves on where they spend that designated player spot i think they're going to go big in the midfield i think that's kind of the sense um Mm -hmm. at least that was what Vaney always did in toronto was that whenever they had an open designated player spot, they really went big in the midfield i mean they went for bradley they went for uh they went for vasquez they went for um Trying to remember one more that I can't remember. Um, so, so I think that's where they're going to look. Um, but, I, but I do feel like this midfield is is very well built for the next two three seasons. Um, even even with the the natural movement that occurs in between seasons.
0: Yeah, I agree. I I completely agree with that. Um, okay. Um, I know there's a few more points we wanted to talk about. Is there anything else about the midfield before we? Um...
1: I think we have we have beaten this proverbial horse.
0: <laughs> okay, that's what I was thinking too, but I just wanted to be We do not condone remote sure.
1: cruelty, by the way, here. <laughs> Absolutely, of course not.
0: Um, <laughs> yes, <yeah>, so, <laughs> I'm laughing because, I, and I shouldn't laugh, but like, how can you not, I guess. Uh, MLS playoffs. Um, Real Salt Lake.
1: Woof, that was a rough game. In penalties,
0: knocked out the Seattle Sounders. And I had texted you, and look, I respect the hell out of Seattle, and I respect um, Schmetzer as a coach. Absolutely, I agree that they are a dynasty. However, I had texted you, Sounders, Flounder, the way that the game was going, they had Jordan Morris, they had Nico Lodero. Are you kidding me (laughs) that they get knocked out with penalties? And then there's like that weird reset shot (laughs) that that – that RSL got another chance, so I MLS.
1: That was that was a horrible advertisement for a league. Um, look, I mean, oh sorry. But but what I would say, no the the game not not you. Um, no. Oh oh
0: oh oh okay. Well, I was like, well. <laughs>
1: look, I, I I understand. Real Salt Lake looked at that game and said, "We're on the road against probably the most dominant MLS team over the past six years." we cannot go out and play our football. Like, I, I get that. I remember Jose Mourinho in 2010. It was the same exact, you know, philosophy. But, oh my God, it was a bad game to watch. I mean, RSL, you know, like, it, it, it's one thing, you know, when you when you bunker and you, you know, play defensively and stuff like that, but at least you have some attacking intent. They just had not. I mean, nothing. Um, zero shots on goal, you know, didn't manage a shot as far as I, as far as I could tell. Um, Yeah, that was, that was rough. And, but it's interesting because, you know, I think, you know, this Seattle team is built to completely overwhelm you, right? Like, I mean, you talk about it, you know, yeah, they didn't have Nico Lodero or um, Raul Roy Diaz from the start, you know, Raul Diaz, probably the most ferocious goal scorer in the playoffs since, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe Mike McGee. Um, But, you know, still, the Seattle team is built to just absolutely destroy you, no matter who's on the field. And I thought Jordan Morris, you know, for coming off an ACL, a second mm-hmm. ACL tear, I thought he looked fantastic in this game. You know, I absolutely.
0: I, I, and they were at home; like everything pointed for for them to win. That's yeah. why I was like, "Is this really happening right now?" I don't see Real Salt Lake. Like, sorry to the guys that are listening. I know that you know we've got some friends that are fans, but it, it was just not. I just didn't see that happening. I just didn't, and and and, and, like soccer is a cruel sport in that way, and MLS is is that way. And I know that Sporting Kansas City's fans were rooting for, you know, RSL because they're pretty sure that they're going to beat them.
1: Yeah, and the thing about it too is, I mean, you know, I'm I'm not you know, for all the whole entire concept of anti football that that Real did last night, you know, in a one off game, I can understand if you realize you're overmatched to to play for penalties because the greatest roulette in, in, in sport is a penalty shootout. You know, we've, we've seen it so many times, right? You know, mm-hmm. um, you know like we've, we've seen games where where, where where greater teams lose on penalties because just a lesser team realized they were the lesser team and said, all right, you know what, let's just, you know what, let's put it up to fate. And I get that. And, you know, maybe that's going to be the, the plan for them moving forward. I, I do think SKC's got a little bit more in the tank um, you know, I, I Seattle really struggled with injuries this year. They, they did struggle to kind of hit their form. They were also – it was one of their worst seasons at home. I think they uh, they only won eight games at home. Um, and Lumen Field had been a fortress for them for the past couple of seasons. It wasn't that case. I think they lost, like, something like seven games this, at home this year. So it wasn't like, you know, home field advantage was really an advantage for them um, throughout the year. Uh, yeah, but I, I do think, you know, RSL having traveled to SKC on 120 minutes of of running and defending the way they did because – when you play like that, you know you run so much more than the team that's in charge, right? Like, that's the only type of thing is you want to be the team on the front foot because you run less, you know. And 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 you know they were scrambling to defend, but you know to their credit, I mean, you know they put Seattle in positions to not get high percentage opportunities off, and and that is a strategy, and that works. Um, we saw, uh, but I, I do think SKC is going to have a little bit too much for them. I, you know, watching SKC um the other day this weekend i just i was very impressed with what i saw i mean they're going to get alan Polito back healthy i think they take a lot better when he's on you know when he's on the field uh johnny russell looks to be in form i think he's maybe you know he's one of the best midfielders in this league when he's on form um that that defense is solid you know they're not really going to give up a lot of chances Melia is one of the best goalkeepers in the league maybe the best goalkeeper in the league outside of matt turner um i I just think skc has too much for real Salt Lake. but I I, I,
0: I agree. But if, but if, and I don't think Sporting should be tired. But if they get tired, I could really see it going to like Real's way. I don't know. I,
1: I think with the way Rial defended, you know, yeah. kind of so much emergency defending. I think you know, even if they get it to to extra time, I just think hey, those legs are going to start getting really heavy, really fast. Um, but but and I, I'm in, I'm interested uh, tomorrow to watch uh, Colorado and Portland because. I feel like Colorado, you know, for being the number one seed in the West, and obviously we know, you know, we as Galaxy fans know how crazy Decision Day was. You know, I think Colorado, you know, when I saw them in person, I was impressed. But then I kept saying, oh, but it's going to break at some point. Like, you know, it's an island of misfit toys, you know, you know, guys that have gotten cast off by teams. You're talking about Mikel Barrios. you know, you talk about like William Yarborough, you talk about, you know, all these players that are just like Jack Price, you know, like that are like, yeah they're good I think you know kind of thing and yet they've they've just been better than the sum of their parts and you know I, I give Robin Fraser a lot of credit for that and and you know I think Bruce is going to win coach of the year for what he's doing in New England but you know maybe Robin Fraser should be coach of the year I mean what he's been able to get out of that Colorado side has been incredibly impressive um I think playing Portland is going to be difficult for them but they are at home um and, and yeah altitude and weather does factor in when you're playing in winter in Denver um or Commerce City, sorry, not Denver, it's out in the middle of nowhere, um, but but I, I do, you know, I think that's going to be a really interesting game, because Portland was, sorry, Portland was good, um, you know, Sebastian Blanco was phenomenal um, in that game, uh, so I think that that's going to be interesting to see if, if, if Colorado can shut Sebastian Blanco down, because if they can, then I, I do think Portland really struggles. Um, also, Sebastian Blanco was kind of dealing with some form of back injury, it looked like, and... As someone who currently is struggling with a back injury, let me tell you, that's not fun.
0: Um, Yeah, I've got a history myself.
1: I mean, he's probably got a better, like, you know, medical department than I have. You know, like, I have aspirin. He's probably got, like, some weird, you know, like, VapoRub infrared laser thing. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: So he's he's probably a little (laughs) better off than I am. Um, But, yeah, I I think the Western Conference is so interesting. Um, I think in the East, you know, uh, the Nashville Orlando game was, was probably the most fun game of these playoffs so far. Um, and I, Nashville has that team of des- destiny, feel around them. I mean, the atmosphere in that game was phenomenal. Um, hani Mukhtar can win you a game so handedly, you know, they're, they're getting more out of Leal than they did last year. I, I, I mean, obviously it's a question of, can you beat new England? Right? Like, I mean, that's the, the hundred, you know, the, the MLS cup winning question is, you know, can anyone figure out new England? And, and, not a lot of teams have this year, but it did look like, you know, they just do the simple things so well that I think, you know, maybe New England will struggle in that game a little bit. Um, obviously, we have yet to see New England play in these playoffs. Um, mm-hmm. and, and again, anything can happen in a one-off game. It's interesting because both number one seeds, you know, New England and, and Colorado, are relatively unfashionable sides if you think about it, right? Like, they're not teams that you watched on national TV. they They barely got any national airtime. I don't think a lot of people really know what to expect. With you know, like obviously you and I, we watch a ton of games, so you know we see these teams. But I don't know what to expect, right? Like, I don't think a lot of people know what they're going to get when they watch Colorado and New England take the field this week.
0: Um. Yeah. It's. Did you talk about Nashville yet?
1: I did. Yes. <laughs> okay. Bit.
0: Okay. Well. Well, that's all I was thinking. I wasn't expecting them to win. Nah. <laughs> but. Um, but look again. Not throwing any kind of shade or anything, you know, at these teams, um, it's, I, I really don't know who I see winning the cup this year. I guess we just have to, to let it play out.
1: It, it, it does feel <laughs> a little bit like that 2010 year where like all the fashionable teams went out very early and then we had like a Colorado Dallas final in Toronto and like 10,000 people showed up. Like it does, yeah. it does feel a little bit like that. Um, you know, I don't think there's really a sexy pick for MLS cup this year, um, I think it's going to be, it's going to, you know, looking at the, the one seeds, New England and Colorado, looking at Nashville, um, looking at the, that RSL performance last night, you know, the only really flashy team, you know, obviously Portland, but Portland really relies on one player. Um, you know, they're, they're kind of flashy. They're not, but, but they're more pugnacious than flash than flashy. I mean, the only really flashy side left is, is SKC. And even then that's not, you know, Peter Vermees would rather win a game one nil than three nil, um. So you know, I, this it, it's going to be a workman. It's going to be a I hate using this term. It's going to be a blue collar team that wins MLS Cup this year. I think. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so NYCFC. I'm kidding. Oh, oh yeah, that's right.
1: NYCFC on this thing. Um, <laughs> yeah, but then but they have to travel to New England. And I, 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 don't
0: think, to, I don't mean I don't mean a kid on them. I, I like I said I. I think tra- I, I just don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know, and I'm just bitter because the Galaxy are are not in it, and uh, we
1: would have at least been good for a shot on goal against Seattle. We at right? least would have been for you know.
0: Dude, that was wild. I can't get over that. Like, the 65th minute, I'm like, All right, let's see what's going on with the Sounders and Real. And then I was like, why does Seattle have 10 shots in 60% possession and this game is going into overtime? <laughs>
1: I, I I found reading a lot journals more entertaining than that game last night. Let's just put it that way. Oh, um,
0: man. Yeah, yeah, I tuned in for the for the penalties. Like, that's what I ended up being able to get around to.
1: Yeah. Um, I, uh, quickly on NYCFC, I think just it's it, they're going... Mm-hmm that home field advantage is so significant considering, you know, field size and whatever, that I just think they're gonna really have a tough time going on the road to New England, who just I mean, Gustavo Bow and Carlos Heel have been so good this year. I think they're just gonna tear that midfield apart. And I, I you know I, I just haven't NYCFC has been so streaky this year. They've been good, then not good, then good, then not good. I just I, I I find it hard for them to, you know, go on the road twice and 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 win two games where they don't have home field advantage. Um, considering just they're going to have to play much more expansively, and, and and they tend to struggle when they when they can't compact the field and be narrow. So, um, I, I do I do think they're going to have some trouble in New England. Um, but yeah, it, it's I think it's going to be a, a workman-like side that wins MLS Cup this year. And you know, it, it, early prediction, if I had to pick, I, I think the cup is going east this year. Whether it goes to yeah, Nashville, I feel that too. Whether it goes to Nashville or New England, I'm not sure, but I do feel like it's going east this year.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I actually could see NYCFC being a, a contender. Um, I think that they've surprised. Um, so women's news, um, Washington Spirit are the winners. Yeah, it was, <laughs> of the, it was cup.
1: Uh, the most watched NWSL final in, in history, which is a phenomenal advertisement for the league. What a, it was a great game too. I mean,
0: it really was. You
1: know, it, I feel I feel for Chicago and and and. You know, obviously the, the news that has come out about Rory Dames and, and his uh, abusive behavior is, is, is incredibly troubling. Um, but I, I, I'm glad that women's soccer is having this reckoning moment and and people are starting to realize how, you know, um, how broken soccer in this country is. Um, but, you know, what I would say is it, I think it was just, you know, when, when Mal Pugh goes out at halftime for Chicago, that was that was one injury too far. You know, I remember... Um, you know, seeing the the injury reports for NWSL and Chicago's would be like three pages long. You know, like it was just it was it was issue after issue. I mean, no Julie Ertz. You know, Malpugh goes out at halftime. You know, just you know, Colaprico was not really there for most of the season injury wise. You know, they lost Nagasato last year. Um, I, I just think you know it, it it got to a point where it was it was just one mountain too far, right? And 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 full credit to Washington. I mean, Washington just was relentless in the sense that you know. Chicago threw some haymakers at them, and just they especially
0: kept, at the end there. Yeah,
1: they, I mean, they just kept getting back up, and and you know Trinity Rodman. I mean, is, is probably the player of this game for me. I mean, it, I think she she did win game MVP, and it was it was well deserved. Um, she's going to be a star moving forward, and I think she'll be a she'll be a very critical part of the the U.S. women's national team setup moving forward. Um,
0: I I really hope so. I know right now she kind of turned it down, and we kind of you know chatted about that. She's only nineteen um she bypassed college and went straight to play for the spirit so yeah, I think, um, yeah I think, she's definitely a star to watch out for
1: i think that was a wear and tear kind of thing you know i think it's just you know play the final then go to australia and play two friendlies i i just you know and where where she would probably be very heavily involved because i know vlatko is has finally decided we need to get younger now um so I, I, I can understand if you know maybe she's carrying an injury or something like that you know you, you close out the season and you just recover um but I think she will be a very big player in this, in, in NWSL moving forward. Um, but yeah, I, I was you know considering all the the, uh, the 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 turmoil that Washington went through, right, with with the ownership group, and mm-hmm. obviously there has been uh, pages and pages of pixels of pixels of ink and in typing um, that you know that people can read ab- about that. And I and I do hope that that Steve Burke sells the team because you know what we saw in that final, you know, they deserve an owner that is invested and in, in, in protective of them. Um, and, you know, currently they don't have that. And, and I think, you know, it, it's interesting, um, you know, and, and we, 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 we touched on this when uh, the, the first athletic article came out that Meg Linehan wrote. Um, and obviously, you know, in the past couple of hours, the the, the Chicago article has come out. Um, but it, it was odd watching that final and realizing, you know, there's, there's a predatory owner of one of these teams and, you know, and then also then what happens comes out about Rory Dames and, and all the rest of it, you know, it's like it, it did feel kind of like, you know, this should this should be a celebration. And yet it's a, a reminder that, you know, NWSL has had a very broken system for a very long time. And, you know, I'm, I'm happy that people are, are being held accountable for it. But it, it did kind of shade the afternoon for me in a way. You know what I mean?
0: hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Del Kemper signed to San Diego, you said.
1: Yeah. Um, their first player signing. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm impressed with this. I I think this is a very pragmatic signing. I think this is not, you know, one of the things that Casey Stoney did so well in her tenure at Manchester United, uh, was, was defense. She was incredibly a a smart defensive coach. Obviously then if you're a defensive coach, her first signing is going to be a center back. Right. Um, but I mean, Del Kemper is an anchor for the U.S. Women's national team. She was so good in North Carolina. Um, you know, and I think it's one of those situations where North Carolina just had an embarrassment of riches and someone had to go, right? And, you know, if, if that's the case, and you're going to take advantage of it, right? Um, I, I do think this is a, an indication that they're going to build from the back. They're going to start building a strong spine and then kind of add in flare players as they go along. Um, my understanding and kind of from people that I've spoken to is that Tobin Heath is going to be leaving Arsenal and coming to San Diego. Um, now, that's been kind of up in the air, but I do think it, it will happen. Um, considering uh, Kristen is, is up in LA and and you know that you know kind of that kind of thing, um, I, I think this is a very sm- this is you know, again a very pragmatic a very smart first decision. Um, she's going to be a, a very solid presence in that back line. Um, she's she's a natural born leader. You see it with the U.S. Women's National Team. I think you know when Becky Sauerbrunn uh, hangs up her cleats, Dahl Kemper is a is in line for the captaincy for me. Um, I, I do think this is a very smart way to to build a very successful first season.
0: I'm excited. Um, I know ACFC came out with uh, their, their new Jersey. Um, you know, so yeah, 2022 is going to be, going to be an exciting season.
1: Can we talk about how the women's NWSL jerseys kick ass? Like they're all so good. Like racing Louisville is beautiful. That one is really good. I know San Diego is going to come up with something cool. Cause you can do like an ocean inspired thing. Cause it's the San Diego waves. Like they're just so cool. And like, I saw the leak of uh, Charlotte FC who's joining MLS next year's jersey. And it's like ugly. And I'm like, come on guys. Like I understand that Adidas has like, you know, there's certain kind of, you know, like templates and I, I get it, but like, come on, you know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I can't, you know, it's hard for me because <laughs> I, I, I support women's soccer regardless. Um, I know ACFC should be my team, to be honest with you. I'm not feeling them. It's hard for me because San Diego is San Diego. I know Christian, lucky you, um, but I'm an LA girl. But it, ACFC to me it's just—it's too affiliated with LAFC, and I know like, I should put that aside and like get
1: over it. Come, um, come ride the wave.
0: Yeah, and and I and I still plan on being there and and supporting. Um, but to be honest with you, I don't have like to me, I don't quite have an NWSL team yet. But you know, um, if if the Galaxy, I know that they've had all this time to come up with a nwsl team and if they really aren't then obviously um i'll just let my heart choose
1: okay <laughs> yeah no it, it's i'm i'm i have a feeling that angel city san diego rivalry from minute one is going to be pretty oh, intense that's and gonna I'm, be
0: so much fun i can't wait i'm to excited
1: go. i am very excited um for 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 next year and, and to be around uh the, the san diego team um I, I need to start actually getting on uh, season tickets as we speak. Um, but yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm excited mm. to, to, to cover that team and to, to be around that team. I think it's going to be an exciting... I think for both teams, it's a very exciting prospect of the future because both, I mean, you can tell both ownership groups are deeply involved. Um, Both, you know, both fan bases are, are starting to really ratchet up their their involvement and, and I think it's going to be... I think it's going to be fascinating to watch. I think, you know, you've got two... You know, you've got a very talented head coach in Casey Stoney. You know, obviously, Angel City FC is going to continue to to bring in stars, and, and San Diego will have a significant amount of pull um, because of Jill Ellis's Rolodex. Um, but I, I do think this is going to be uh, that that rivalry could really hit the ground running.
0: All right. Well, that's why we call this Simply Soccer. So you could join us for all the soccer things that are going on. Of course, we love our LA Galaxy. And um, thank you so much for listening if you stuck around this long. So we look forward to next week when we talk about the forwards.
1: Happy Turkey Day.